Let's go over the bridge one more time. Actually, let's just start from the beginning because I think we could practice going into verse two.
victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name.
I'm great. I'm, let me sit this down. How are you, bro? Doing good. How you great doing? to be with you. I'm, I'm good.
testing. got something planned, but I don't hear anything yet.
I'm sorry. It's, it's on the device. I'm not on Wi-Fi. bass guitar today. here a little bit now yeah I could use more but it, it is there now I don't think the volume changed
Check two, two, two. Check two. There's a victory in this valley.
you knew this would be starting on on time then. Can you not hear me? I can. Okay. <laughs>
step in to what we were given because after all it is a gift and as I look across a congregation of people gathering together I see so many victories that I can't keep count of them I've seen so many blessings that I couldn't name each and every one of them and that's not because of the things that we do. It's not because of how qualified we are. But it's simply because of the great God that we serve. Amen, church? So right now, we're going to take a few of these needs before the Lord. And I believe in faith that if it's God's will, that they will be met. Amen? Landry Westerman. Abby Malone, Jake Morgan, Carolyn Clark, Joanne Fryer, Floyd Elmore, Francis Batson, Tobias Gonzalez, Sharon Crawford, Sister Singh Hood, Greg Morton, and then Micah and Heather Morton. And at this time, if you have a need here today as well, we urge you to step out in faith to the front. And our ministers will anoint you with oil. Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every problem here today, God. God, and I step out in faith with each and every one of my brothers and sisters today. And Lord, we say, God, your will be done. Not mine, but yours be done, Jesus. And we know and we understand the God that we serve is more than able of coming through for each and every one of our needs. And so, God, we just pray that prayer today. And in your name, amen.
in that presence just for a moment. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. At this time, we'll take the tithe and the offering so if the ushers could come. That precious blood of Jesus from the spotless lamb, the lamb with no faults that went to the cross for us, for all of our many faults. That song and just that revelation of knowing the Lamb and knowing the true King will never grow old. It will never grow weary. It will never get worn out. It is forever and always will be the spotless Lamb, the ultimate sacrifice that overcame death, hell, and the grave and bestowed power in each and every one of us so that we could do the exact same thing. Man, the power of the Lord is here today. We're going to have to take this offering. If the ushers would come. God, I thank you so much. Jesus, for that blood that you shed for us. Jesus, for giving us a new day each and every single day, whether we earned it or not the previous whether we took up our cross the former day you gave us new life and new breath today and so lord let us take advantage of that breath let us sing your praises let us glorify you let us lift you on high god not because of anything that you can do for us not because of the blessings that you've given us but lord simply because of who you are Lord for everything you're doing in our lives in your great name amen we pray Stronghold is brought down. I speak. 
Every stronghold is brought down. I speak victory. Come on, I speak victory. I speak victory. Come on, so we're bringing home every son and daughter. Every son and daughter. The rulers of darkness have to bow. I speak victory. Jesus, victory in the name of Jesus, victory in the name of Jesus. 
something to come to the front people who will be up there that can speak victory because in a second we're going to play the song and we're going to speak victory in the name of Jesus over the city of Paris there was something that happened at NAYC that kind of changed everything the spirit realm kind of changed for a second and they said in the last service he said that when the youth and the elders come together something's going to happen Something's gonna happen, so I want our youth to come down to the front, and then I want our elders to come to the front as well. Because something's gonna happen in the city of Paris. We can't just be content anymore with just coming to church on a Sunday morning, or a Sunday afternoon, or Wednesday service. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of just being content. I wanna change. I wanna change. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Victory in the name. Victory in the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus,
out of the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no groupie. This is the work of the Lord that created the heavens and the earth. So I'd like for us to all face outward. We have had a joy inward. But I want us to pray the angels to go 360 degrees into the far corners of the area in which we live right before our good evangelist and them come. We are believing God that the ministry of the hearts, the Spirit of the Lord, is going to go and forth in front of us by the power of the blood, by the authority of the name of Jesus, by the victory over the grave. We are believing God, we are believing your name. God. God bless you as you're seated. And I want to remind you that it's imperative that we, in order to receive what He is going to honor 
as a part of what we have accomplished already in his presence today. We've got to be ready to make changes in our agenda of our prayers, of our thoughts, and our time. It's not a true expectancy if we go on living as we have. Brother and Sister Hart, if you would, come on up. I want to read a scripture today that God gave me this morning. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. This is something God gave me way before this service began its ascension into the glory of the Lord. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which came before you. You are the salt of the earth, but the if the salt loses its savor, wherewith shall the earth be salted? It is thenceforth good. Salt is good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. I am telling you that the spirit of this songs and worship and the honor that God has already received is just a small portion of what his endeavor in the area in which you live is going to come to fruitfulness. We are so glad to have men and women such as Brother and Sister Hart, their ministry of singing and their ministry in ministry is of one of the highest calibers in the United Pentecostal Church International. It is no secret what God can do. And what God is going to do is take advantage of your commitment today and the ministry that is coming, I am totally convinced that it is anointed partly for the United Pentecostal Church of Paris and Lamar County. So we gladly welcome you, Brother Hart, saying, preach whatever you feel to do. We want you to take your liberty. We're glad you're here. Would you stand and make welcome our wonderful evangelist and his wife. Could we give that praise to the Lord all over this room right now? Come on, with everything you've got within you, would you lift your voice? I tell you what, could we just throw our hands in the air and with everything we've got within us, could we bless the name of the one who is worthy? For he is the very one that has stepped into this sanctuary today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to take advantage of the place you are standing today. Indeed, this is holy ground. Indeed, this is holy ground. Come on, what we felt just a few minutes ago hadn't left, ladies and gentlemen. It's still in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I thank God for the tremendous witness of His Spirit that is in this room today. I'm grateful that we serve a God that is not dead. He is not quiet. He is not bound in any way at all. But our God is alive. He is well. And He is a God that responds to the praises of His people. And He has indeed shown up in this room today for a divine purpose. And I believe with everything within me that what we have felt throughout this service to this point is but a fraction of what God is desiring to do in our midst this morning. As I was endeavoring this morning to find the will of God for this service, I could not escape the thought that there was something powerful that God desires to do in this service this morning. There are needs that have assembled in this sanctuary Maybe there are needs here today that that you have carried for quite some time. Maybe there are prayers that you have prayed for weeks, months, perhaps even years. But I believe the power of God is present in this room today to answer prayers, to meet needs. Our God is able to do whatever you have need of today in this house. God if you will allow me my wife and I had every intention of singing and we even threw a kink in the plans with the missing sound man today to get a sound check but I really feel an urgency to preach and so um, if you'll just if you'll give me a free pass today come back tonight and we'll maybe sing an extra one to make up for lost time but if you'll allow me to just follow what I feel in the Holy Ghost I feel an urgency amen to preach what I feel God has given me today I'll read just one verse of scripture out of the book of Acts, the the 12th chapter, verse number 11. Acts chapter 12 and verse number 11. While you turn there, what a great privilege and honor it is for my wife and I to be back once again in Paris. We have looked forward to being back with you today. And what a privilege it is to worship together with God's people and to feel what we are feeling in this house. We appreciate and love this great church, and certainly you are blessed with some of the finest of leaders. Uh, Your pastor and pastor's wife, brother and sister Myers, are top shelf, and we love and appreciate them so very much. And it's just a treat for us to come and not only worship with you and minister to God's people, but to be around brother and sister Myers. You are blessed by their leadership, and we give them great honor today in Jesus' name. Praise God. What tremendous worship. Thank you to the worship team, singers and musicians for leading us powerfully and anointedly into the presence of God today. Acts chapter 12, verse number 11. And when Peter was come to himself, Peter had just gotten out of prison and and, and in my mind's eye, he is is standing a, a little dazed in some darkened street. He comes to himself and says, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people. 
I believe what was going through Peter's mind in this moment was something along the lines of this. I don't know every little detail of how God has brought me from where I was to where I am. It was above my ways. It was a supernatural intervention. But Peter says this, I know one thing, and that is I did not get into this state of deliverance by myself. I am not where I am today by my own power or my own abilities alone. Peter said, the Lord hath sent his angel. And the Lord hath delivered. I feel a witness in this house even right now. Is there anyone that would just wave a hand in the air and recognize that I am where I am today because the Lord hath made a difference I'm only here today because God brought me out of where I was. I'm only here in the sanctuary today with hands lifted high because God intervened in my situation and saved me from the hand of the devourer. Praise God. Praise God. And so with that in mind today, what I feel on my heart to preach to this wonderful congregation is this. This subject, greater than Agrippa. Greater than Agrippa. If you're going to help me preach today, would you shout amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Following in the footsteps of foul, evil men like Pharaoh, Saul, Ahab, Haman, Herod the Great and Nero, who all of them had both proudly and publicly played the opponent against all things that were pure and godly. It's here in this 12th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles where we read that King Herod Agrippa had set himself against God and stretched forth his hand to vex the church of the living God. He had killed James, the brother of John, with the sword for no other reason but that he might make happy those Jews which despised, utterly despised the memory and now the rapidly spreading message of Jesus Christ in the earth at that time. Therefore, to wring out as much popularity as possible, Herod did what any good devil does. The Bible said he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now, I'll get to my sermon in just a minute, but may I just pause for but uh, about 13 seconds and preach that our adversary is never satisfied, nor is he ever settled with just one success that he may bring about in our lives. But just as Herod Agrippa did, so does the devil do. He will always come back again. He will always come back with another temptation. He'll come and knock on your door again. He'll try that same thing he won with last time. 
So Herod Agrippa, satisfied and finding pleasure in the the popularity that he gains from the killing of James. Now he begins sowing another seed for yet another victory by putting Peter in prison. His intention was that he would hold Peter in that cell until after the Passover feast and then at that time when the feast was over he would bring Peter forth and put him to death. I believe it's important for me to note and highlight for you that 14 years prior to this moment in which Peter sits in prison when sent by Jesus to aid John in the preparation of the Passover feast it was this same beloved Peter, who had boldly declared to his master, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and unto death. Now, all these 14 years later, while Peter had been imprisoned on multiple occasions over that span of time, this time seems as though it will be different. It seems as though Peter will, in fact, live up to his profession. He will not only be imprisoned for Christ's sake, but it seems as though this prison will give way to the bitter pains of a martyr's death. And as he sits on that stone cold floor, I'm sure Peter had his own share of feelings, knowing that his trial was pending and his death was certain. But consider with me on this Sunday morning the fear and the urgency that must have settled upon the church of the living God. Those people to which Peter had so often preached, put yourself in their shoes and imagine how they must have felt as their pastor sits in a prison cell. One preacher had already died and now another preacher sits on death row. And surely someone had to have asked the question, if Peter is beheaded, then who will Herod Agrippa kill next? One commentator wrote it this way, if the shepherd can't stand against the lion, then who will guard the sheep? It was obvious to the church that the odds were stacked against them. And even you and I can see from the from the story of scripture that the negative narrative had been set in motion and it was clearly evident to them and to us that the situation in which they found themselves in was desperate. No amount of human ability, no measure of physical strength could turn this tide. No decree of intelligence No amount of of critical thinking could revert these circumstances. There was no persuasive argument on which they could lean. There was no political manipulation that, that they could employ that would have the power to bail Peter out of his prison. 
There, there was no program that they could implement. There, there was no system in place on which they could lean to alter the outcome of the inevitable. One fact remained. If this is going to change, it's going to take someone greater than Agrippa to turn this around. If Peter's going to walk free again, it's going to take somebody greater than Agrippa. If things are going to ever look up, if things are ever going to get better, it's going to take something greater than, it's going to take someone stronger than his chains that bind him. It's going to take somebody greater than the guards that keep walking over his cell it's going to take something greater than the iron gate that stands between his fetters and his freedom in fact if this is ever going to change quite simply God was going to have to get involved and I feel something on me today to preach to this wonderful congregation have not all of us at some point in our lives maybe you even find yourself there in that very place on this Sunday morning but we have all found ourselves lying on the stone cold floor of life feeling as if there is no way out of the dilemma that life has left us in I know we all look good today. We got our Sunday best on. But can we just be real today? Who has not been trapped in a spiritual prison with no visible means of escape? Do I have any real people in the sanctuary today? Have not all of us felt absolutely helpless to change our circumstances at hand? Who here today has not found yourself in a place of fear, fearing that which seems to be final and absolute? I would be tempted many times in my life in those situations. Amen. If I was Peter, I would have been very much tempted to look to the darkness of that dungeon, be overwhelmed with despair, and wonder if God has finally found it within himself to forsake me. But I rise, amen, on this Sunday morning to preach to some soul in this room when hope seems to have dissipated and when help seems to have departed. Can I preach to you? God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. When it looks like it's all hopeless. When it looks like there is no way of escape. When it looks like it's all said and done. And you are doomed to death. I hear our God saying all is not lost. It's not over just yet. Don't you surrender to the doom of the darkness. There is hope in a God who is greater than Agrippa. Our God is indeed a very present help in trouble. 
If you don't believe me, then go in scripture and consult with the likes of Paul and Silas sitting in their Roman jail cell. Consult with John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. Consult with Joseph sitting in Potiphar's dungeon. Consult with Daniel from that den of lions. I'm certain that all of them would agree that while they in themselves could do nothing, they would consult, they would agree and I believe they would proclaim to this congregation today with God all things are possible I don't know your dilemma and I don't know what chain may be attached to your spirit today but I know this there is one that is greater than stocks and chains there is one greater than the separation and the isolation of Patmos there is one today that is greater than even Potiphar's lying wife there is one that is greater than any lion that may roar in your face I'm preaching to you today we have a God that is greater than any Agrippa that would rise I don't know his name I don't know the affliction I don't know the cloud that's weighed over your mind I don't know what's oppressed your spirit but I've come to tell you there is one that is greater than the Agrippa in your life If you know it to be true, I wish somebody would throw your praise heavenward right now and bless the name of the one who is greater than your adversary. There is one greater than Agrippa. He is before all things and by him all things consist. He changeth the times and the seasons. I love this right here. He removeth kings. He setteth up kings. John said he in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Ladies and gentlemen, I take that to believe. That before any earthly king ever wore a crown. Before they ever wielded a scepter. Before any earthly king ever sat upon a shiny throne. God ruled and reigned from the beginning. Before any man, before any devil, before any demon was granted any power whatsoever. Can I preach to this congregation today? Before all of that, God was large and in charge. God was from the very beginning king of all kings and lord of all lords. I would remind you what you already know to be true, but what I feel the unction upon my lips to declare to this congregation today is from that day, from the very beginning until this day in July 2023, there is nothing and there is no body that could change the reign of our God. There is nothing that can stifle out his power. There is nothing that could limit his influence. There is nobody that could ever take his crown away. There is nobody that could take a man his power from his hand. 
Pharaoh afflicted Egypt. But go looking through your Bible and you'll find that God was greater than the power of Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, but he could not destroy the God of the temple. Haziel slew innocent children. Abimelech slew 70 brothers. Haman concocted an evil scheme. Jezebel killed the prophets of God, but God is not mocked. Herod the Great, I prefer to call him Herod the Not-So-Great. Yet nevertheless, Herod the Not-So-Great tried to kill Christ at his birth, but failed at doing so because there is no body greater than God I've come to preach to somebody in this building I hadn't been here in three years and I don't know what you're going through today but if there is some foe that is formed against you it doesn't matter how big it doesn't matter how bad it doesn't matter how dark your day is there is somebody greater than the Agrippa in your life I don't care what that diagnosis was. My God's greater. I don't care what the kids have been saying. I don't care what the family's been doing. My God is greater. I don't know what the banker told you this week, but I know my God is greater than Agrippa. Come on, you got some foe that is formed against you. I come with a simple word today. You don't need to fight that foe on your own. You need to get a God involved that's greater. Come on, I'm feeling too much at home right now. I feel like preaching to somebody. You got a battle you're fighting. You got spirits raging in your world. I wouldn't just sit there and coast through another Sunday morning service. I'd throw my hands in the air. I'd open my spirit. I'd let faith rise out of me. I'd say, God, I'm not leaving until you get involved. I'm not surviving another service. I'm not just riding on the praise of somebody else. One more Sunday, I'm going to get what I need from God today. God, you're going to get involved in my situation today. Come on, I can't get away from this right here. Man, I don't know who this is for, but I'm preaching to somebody. Is there a dark cloud that's hovering over you? You need God involved. Is there some looming doom, man, that has tried to take your joy and stifle out your faith? Come on, God sent a word for you today. God's greater than Agrippa. He's greater than that cloud. He's bigger than your problem. The Bible says that on the last night before Peter was to be put to death, Acts chapter 12, this is verse number 6. On the very night before his execution, Luke writes and he says, Peter was sleeping. Now that's another sermon for another time. But he's about to die tomorrow morning, yet he's got enough peace to lay his head on a concrete floor and go to sleep. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And that seems pretty bleak. That seems pretty discouraging. 
And that could in many ways summarize some of your very circumstances today. But I would love to call your attention to what God did next. Would you even notice with me the language that Luke used? He says all of this. He's sleeping between two soldiers. He's bound with two chains. And there's a warden at the door guarding the gate. And behold. In other words, get your eyes off of the guard. Get your eyes off of the chains. Get your eyes off of the warden at the door. I got something else for you to look at. I got something else for you to dwell on. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon I'm not going to get through today. I feel my help right now. Amen. I've come to tell somebody you need to get your eyes off of the chain that's been attached to your spirit. You need to get your eyes off of the prison cell that you've been bound to. You need to fix your eyes upon the provision of God that he has sent for you. You need to dwell on the fact that God has made provision for your very problem. You need, to, you need to turn your eyes from the despairing news and turn your gaze toward the provision of an almighty God for whom nothing is too hard. I'm, I'm probably not going to get finished today, but can I preach to you two principles from what I just read to you? Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold the angel of the Lord came upon him. That tells me number one it doesn't matter how dire or how dark your dilemma is there is nothing our God can't do. Understand God was able to find Peter right where he was. Peter was in, I believe the Acts 12 language was the second ward. Acts 16, they used the language of the inner prison. But Peter is kept under maximum security. Yet God didn't need an escort to find his way to Peter's cell. God, watch this. If Peter was between two soldiers, then you would think that if anybody else showed up in that prison cell, those two soldiers would intervene. They would spring into action should any being at all step into that cell. Yet God didn't need sleeping pills to make sure that those boys didn't involve themselves in the divine intervention that God had sent to Peter. Think about it. The angel smote Peter to wake him up from his sleeping. In other words, the angel caused just enough ruckus to wake Peter up, yet the soldiers were out cold. God 
didn't need sleeping pills to do that. God didn't need knockout darts to make sure that the adversary didn't involve itself in his intervention. God didn't even need, now this my Oklahoma redneck going to come out in me, so just pardon me, but God didn't need bolt cutters to open that iron gate of that prison cell. Better yet, he didn't need a cutting torch. That's always better than bolt cutters. God didn't need a cutting torch to unfasten Peter's chains. I would even tell you that God did not even need the jailer's key to open that iron gate. Because God is not dependent on human means. I know I'm preaching elementary here. I just feel to let some, I made all of those points to help you understand God is not dependent upon any earthly thing. He is not bound to the use of material things such as you are and I are bound by. I need to get this principle across to you today. Our God can do anything. He doesn't need the same resources that you and I need. He doesn't need the same methods. He doesn't need the same mechanisms. God can simply show up and he can declare what is to be out of nothing at all. And I would declare in this room today, our God still has the power to break chains. He still has the power to open prison doors. He's still got the power to silence your adversary. He's still got the power to push back darkness. Can, can I just tell you what I just felt the Holy Ghost impress upon my spirit? I can't get away from it. He silenced the two soldiers that were, that were uh, their duty was to guard Peter from any kind of escape situation taking place. And God silenced them. I believe God is in this room today to silence somebody's adversary. I, I got a lot of notes and I got a lot to preach, but I just feel something in this room right now. There's been some voices that have been talking to you and keeping you in your prison. Do you notice the language that Luke wrote in that, in that sixth verse? He said, Peter was kept in prison. There's been some voices, there's been some influence since that I've been keeping some of you in a place of restriction. And it's not in my notes, man, to spend this much time on this, but I feel something boiling in this room right now. There is a power of God in this sanctuary today to silence the voices that have kept you. There is a power in this room today to silence the influences that have manipulated you and intimidated you. And God is getting ready to open a door today for you to step out and to walk free from the powers that have kept you bound. Could we lift our hands in this room right now? Come on, I want somebody to really lift your voice in this room right now. Come on, I don't know who that was for, but that was for a few people in this room today. 
Come on, I want you to lift your hands in the air right now and say, God, I'm asking you to silence every voice that has afflicted me and kept me in a state of bondage. I'm asking you to, oh God, remove the influence of any anything that would hinder me from walking free in the destiny and the calling that you have designed for me. Let me me, me say this. Not only is there not anything God can't do, but the second principle I find in those two verses is there's no place our God can't go. I I want you to wrap your mind around something right here. The angel sent from God who came to Jerusalem that night. The angel did not show himself in the palace of King Agrippa himself. The angel did not even show himself in the holy place of the temple. The one man whom the angel of God had been sent to see was one man sitting in a prison cell on death row. The one man who had a divine encounter was one man who was shut up in stone walls, sleeping on a cold, hard floor, bound with iron chains. Yet he was the very one that had a holy, divine encounter with the glory of God. I I, I can't get away from this today. I may be preaching to three people, and I'm good with that. But I need somebody to hear me right now. It does not matter where life has left you. There is no deep dark place that God is not able to find you in. God will go to any depth. He will reach into any pit. He will walk through any fire. He will go to any extreme. He will push back rivers. He'll make a way in the wilderness. He'll open wide a prison door. He'll break the bonds of addiction. He'll destroy the chains of affliction. In fact, however far you have gone, that's how far God is willing to go to show himself greater than the Agrippa in your life. Can I preach to somebody right now that the devil has lied to you and said you've done too much. You've gone too far. It's endured too long. The devil is a lie. God is able to find you even in your prison cell. God's able to loose you today no matter how dark it's been. God is able to bring a deliverance in your life today no matter how isolated you feel. I just, I just feel something in me today that says God's able to heal no matter how discouraging that diagnosis was. However far you've gone, that's how far God will go. And so desperately needing God to intervene, the church on Peter's behalf, turned to the one thing they could do. 
that was guaranteed to get God's attention. The Bible says that Peter was therefore kept in prison. This is verse number five. But prayer was made. Can I, can I just take a few minutes? I'm at about 35 minutes so far. Can I just take a few minutes right here and preach to you that there's nothing that compares to the power of prayer even in your prison? I'm losing some of my help. I'm gonna hurry. What? There's nothing like the power of prayer. Because though Herod Agrippa had done his dead level best to make sure that every possible way of escape had been guarded and secured, he failed to consider that two soldiers couldn't hold back the power of a praying church. Two chains were helpless against the prayers of a righteous people. Even the warden at the door was no match for a people who knew how to get a hold of the throne room of heaven. Herod Agrippa thought he had done everything he could do, but he failed to remember that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I've come to preach that our... Agrippa may forget, but God forbid you and I ever forget what prayer has the power to do. It doesn't matter what Agrippa does. I know I can pray and I can get the attention of a God who is greater and stronger than every affliction that Agrippa may send against me. Prayer does that. Prayer gets God involved. I don't have time to preach all that, but... Prayer is not the last thing we do when everything else falls through. Prayer is not that thing that we depend upon Pastor and Sister Myers to do on our behalf. I'm convinced, though the church was praying in agreement, I'm convinced Peter had done quite a bit of praying himself. Prayer is not the last thing we could do. Prayer is the very best thing we could do. And there may be a lot of things I feel like I can't do, but I can pray. I don't have the power to change my present circumstance. I can't heal, but I can pray. I can't push back darkness on my own ability, but bless God, I can pray. I may feel pressed down and persecuted, but I can pray. I may feel utterly forsaken, but I can pray. I may be troubled on every side, but I can pray. I may be perplexed, but, but I can pray. I may feel like my back is against the wall, but I can pray. I may not have any answers to why I'm going through this, but I can pray. So I really, I, I got a simple word for somebody today and it's not gonna be spiritually deep or 
theologically profound in a, in a sense. But do you need deliverance? I got a solution. Pray. You need a miracle today? Pray. You need healing in your body? Pray. You need that dark cloud to lift up off of your mind? Pray. Because I'm telling you, there is involving power in your prayer. There is something about prayer that causes God to step into your prison. Can't preach all that for time's sake. It's 11.20. But I must go here before we close. Not only was the church praying in order to get God involved in what would seem like a hopeless situation, but God required something of Peter also. You see, there's a, there, there's a great misconception concerning our deliverance, and that is that, well, if I can just get God involved, everything will be different. If I can just get God to show, if I can... If I can just get to church on Sunday morning and, and that great worship team will sing the right song, then everything will come together. If, if, if pastor will preach on one of my favorite topics and, and preach from one of my favorite books of the Bible, then everything will come together. If I can just get God involved. But I want you to notice something. After the angel of the Lord broke through the darkness of that dungeon... Here's what the angel told Peter. Before Peter ever got out of that cell, with the door standing wide open, the angel told Peter, Arise. One word. Arise. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, at this point, it did not matter how many miracles God had performed to get to where Peter was. The completion of Peter's deliverance hinged completely on Peter's obedience. It didn't matter how many mountains God moved. It didn't matter how many proverbial walls the angel of God had walked through. It didn't matter how many chains had been broken. It didn't matter how many, how many bars of iron had been severed in two. In order for Peter to see the completion of his deliverance, he had to respond to the directive of the angel of the Lord and get up. It's not enough that you just be surrounded by the glory of God and have a divine encounter on a Sunday morning. I've come to preach to somebody. God has already involved himself in this service. God has to... Pastor even started talking about angels today before I ever got up here. God is in this room today. But I've come to tell you, I feel a word from heaven and that word is, it's time to get up. Don't you just settle for a few Sunday morning goosebumps. Don't you must be contented with knowing that God was in our midst. I hear the angel of the Lord say, get up. It's time to walk out of this prison cell. It's time to step through the open door. 
Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. You've been in your darkness long enough. You've been in that prison cell long enough. You've been bound long enough. You've been complacent long enough. You've prayed long enough. Get up. Come on, you want to see a miracle? Get up. You want to go somewhere in God? Get up. You want to see what God can really do? Get up and follow His Spirit. Come on, I wonder if there's somebody in this room that would throw your hands in the air and say, God, take me to a new place in you. I'm not going to be bound by my afflictor, God. Give me the faith to respond to your word and to get up and follow your leading. I, I got I to take you here. And I, I'm going to wrap it up. But here, I want you, if you had not got anything I've preached today, I want you to get this. God will always do what only God can do. But you must do what only you can do. And I got Bible. And it happens to be right here in our story about Peter. The angel of God showed up and the angel took care of the soldiers. The angel took care of the chains and the angel took care of the warden at the door. But, but notice with me, and I forgot to write down the, the exact verse, but if you'll trust me, it's in there. Peter had to put his own belt on Verse number eight. The angel said, Gird thyself. Bind on thine own sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, The angel said to Peter, Cast thy garvin about thee and follow me. Ladies and gentlemen, there's some things God won't do for you. Peter had to put his own belt on. He had to put his own shoes on his own feet. He had to throw his own coat around his own shoulders. He had to ready himself to follow the leading of the Spirit. I feel like I've come to Paris to preach to somebody. God's opened the door. If you'll get up, he'll break the chains. But you gotta get ready. I wish somebody would just strap on your spiritual sandals for a minute. I wish somebody would throw over to your shoulders the garment of praise and say, God, I'm not staying. I'm not staying down. I'm not being defeated. I'm going to follow you to where you're leading me next. God will do what only God can do. But you've got to do what only you can do. 
Therefore, Peter's involvement in his deliverance became just as important, if not more important, than God's involvement. Because Peter made the declaration in his own heart, I'm not staying down. If a door has been opened before me, I will not stay in this prison house. I'm going to do everything in my power to see the accomplishment of all that God has started. Come on, what I'm feeling in this room today is that God has started to do a few things in your life. But God is waiting on someone like Peter to fight your way back to your feet of faith and say, I'm going to follow the leading of the Spirit until I see complete deliverance in my life. Come on, I don't, I don't know who it is I'm reaching for right now, but there's been some hesitation in your spirit of late because you're not sure that God's going to do what you have been praying for. You're not sure. Can I just point out that Peter was in prison for quite a while? I failed to write it down, but some seven days, does that sound right, Pastor? Some seven days or so, Peter was in that prison cell. And so for seven days, he had to continue to encourage himself in the Lord and believe that God had it all under control. I don't know how long you've been kept in your prison cell. I don't know how long the devil's been working in your mind trying to rob you of your faith. But I'm telling you, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God's opened a door today. And God is just simply waiting for you to be restored stored in your faith faith enough to follow him out of your darkness and I'll close here if you go if you go look at the end of the story after Peter got out of that prison cell he stumbles into the street with a sterling he comes to himself probably not able to articulate everything that has happened and how the angel found him and how the chains were broken. But Peter says, I know. In spite of everything Herod Agrippa did, I know that God has brought me out. Go home, read this story. It's one of my favorite narratives in all of Scripture. Peter goes to the home of John Mark's mother where the church had assembled to pray for his deliverance. Through a funny uh, happening of events, he notifies them, hey, it's Peter and God has delivered me out of that prison. But Peter's also got some brains about him. Peter knows that if they locked him up once, they'll lock him up again. So Peter said, folks, I'm leaving you with it. I'm leaving town. Peter leaves town and Herod Agrippa the next morning discovers that preacher Pete is not in his cell. His plan has been foiled and God has upstaged Agrippa this time. Agrippa is in great fury and rage. So Agrippa too leaves Jerusalem feeling embarrassed, humiliated in front of the people. Agrippa goes down to another town, Caesarea it was, 
And there in another place before another people. Agrippa begins to employ those same manipulative political methods again. Before another crowd, he dresses himself in a shining, glittery garment. Goes out into the sunlight and delivers a fanciful, ornate speech before the people. To which those people respond and say, Surely that is the voice of a God and not of a man. Agrippa had felt like anything but God back in Jerusalem. And now he is referred to as a God. So what does Agrippa do? He sits back on that throne and he relishes the praises of those people to him. Not as a man, not even as a king, but as a God. The Bible says... The angel of the Lord. Could it be? I don't know. Could it have been the same angel that led Peter out? Was the same angel God used to smote that evil king with a wicked disease? And in a matter of days, the Bible says, the worms ate of his flesh and Herod Agrippa died. But... It also says that the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. The very Agrippa that endeavored and did his best to defeat God's man in God's church. God said, I will not let him conquer my people. I will not let him conquer my kingdom. And he will not outlast my word. Because there is a God today that is greater than the Agrippa in your life. I'm going to say it again. If that Agrippa is sickness, there's a God greater than your sickness. If that Agrippa is an addiction, there's a God greater than your addiction. If that Agrippa is family trouble, there's a God greater than your family trouble. And God knows how to take care of your enemy on a Sunday morning. You're you're already standing. I promise I'm stopping right here. This is what I felt the Lord tell me to conclude with today. When, When God defeated Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12, I believe it was much more than just the defeating of one foe toward Peter. And even it was greater than God getting vengeance toward this evil king concerning the execution of James. I believe God's judgment upon Herod Agrippa in Acts 12 was a much bigger deal. Because Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12 was just one Herod in a long line of Herodian kings. 
was it great-great-grandfather or something like that? Herod Agrippa in Acts 12, his ancestor was Herod the not-so-great that went all the way back to the birth of Christ. And so it was in Agrippa's lineage to afflict Christ and his church. So Herod Agrippa in Acts 12, he was afflicting the people of God in Jerusalem and James, Peter. But for some 45 years back to the birth of Christ, his entire family had been after the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. They tried to kill Christ at his birth and they had afflicted the work of the ministry and the spreading message of the, of the gospel. So this is how I see it, ladies and gentlemen. God wasn't just executing judgment on Herod Agrippa for killing James and afflicting Peter. But it's as if God was putting an end to a 45-year struggle. God didn't wipe out the family. We read about another Agrippa later on in Acts. Paul goes before him. But, Pastor, from my angle... From after Acts 12, that Herodian lineage of leaders, they were never persecutory toward the church any longer. They no longer afflicted God's people anymore because God said this battle's gone on long enough. I'm not just preaching about a one-week battle, a seven-day struggle, or even a two-month struggle. God said even a battle that has raged for 45 years, I'm able to bring that battle to an end. I'm able to bring that struggle to a close. So I open this altar today. For anybody that would have enough faith to get up from your pew, make your way to an altar, and say, God, the tenure of my struggle is no match for your power. The amount of time that Satan has afflicted me is no match for what you are able to do. I wonder who's going to be the first one to get up out of your prison cell today. I wonder who's going to be the first one that says, I'm not staying on this prison floor. I'm not staying down. I'm not going to be defeated. And I'm not going to be held captive by this struggle. I'm going to allow a God that is greater to involve himself in my dilemma. If you need healing, I wish you'd come right now. If, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I wish you'd come. God's able to fill you with the gift of His Spirit today. If you need deliverance from fear, come on. God is in this house, and He's greater than your Agrippa. Come on, if that dark cloud is hovering over you, God's able to lift that cloud today. If you will pray your way into a divine experience. Come on, Agrippa, you're defeated. Devil, you're defeated. Sickness, you're defeated. Addiction, you're defeated. Fear, you're defeated. 
come on that's it you ought to grab somebody by the hand lift that hand up in the air and begin to call on the name of Jesus come on there's a name that's greater than Agrippa's name it's the name of Jesus come on that's it begin to speak that name right now begin to speak that name right now begin to speak that name that's greater than your adversary. Yeah. 